0: Welcome to Seeking Sustainability Live number 12. Thank you for joining us from Facebook and Twitter Periscope and YouTube and Twitch and wherever you're joining us live from. Uh, feel free to add your comments and questions. Today we have a really special guest, someone I've admired the work of for a long time, Joan Bailey. Thanks for joining us, Joan. Let me bring you in. You going to say hi?
1: Hi, hi, hi. Sorry, I was looking no, the wrong way. No, that's yeah. right.
0: can okay. You, can you hear us okay? hmm
1: definitely. Okay,
0: great. So, Joan, you said you're originally from Wisconsin. How long have you been in mm-hmm. Japan so far?
1: Uh, I've been here about 12 years, 11 or 12 years. Wow. I always kind of lose track.
0: Oh, and you've you've done so much writing all around japan i think your your focus of the writing i've seen has really been on sustainability uh but mm-hmm. you've written articles not only on sustainable food systems and uh self-sufficiency and stuff in japan but also in the states as far as i can tell is that right yeah
1: yeah i've written for civil eats which is a mm, sort of a food justice website, and then also for Modern Farmer, so, which, is, which covers, it's a bit broader, it covers more anything to do with farming, really. Mm-hmm. So it's meant to yeah, draw in people who are interested in raising their own food, they're interested in how their food is raised, various issues, so that, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think if people want to see your work Uh, I saw a lot of the links to your articles on Joan D. Bailey, the website. Mm -hmm. And uh, you've got a link right here, which links to a list of your really impressive work. You've got loads and loads of articles. Um, People can enjoy reading all online links. Thanks for doing that. That makes it a lot easier. So here you've got your articles with Civil Eats. Um, mm-hmm. Modern Farmer, Tokyo Weekender, Metropolis, mm-hmm. and Savvy Tokyo. Yep, yeah. Any Any of those stand out as your favorites?
1: Oh, any of the articles? Yeah. Actually, I have to say probably, I mean, I love them all for different reasons um, because I think that's kind of just what writers do. Uh-huh. But uh, probably my the current series I'm doing for the Japan Times is Probably what I'm really excited about right now, the, actually, women of taste.
0: The women of taste is really, mm-hmm. really interesting series. Um, so I've got two pages of your other work here. And before we talk mm-hmm. about women of taste, um, okay. you've also got another page: outdoor Japan Permaculture Magazine and um, other essays that you've done, yep. as well as mm-hmm. ACCJ and BCCJ, which is interesting.
1: Yeah. Those were really fun. For those um to um that's for the American Chamber of Commerce in Japan and the British Chamber of Commerce in Japan and I did uh travel pieces for them. They highlighted a particular prefecture um oh. and I got to go and it was it was so much fun. <laughs> it was I mean it's really intense hard work. Uh uh-huh. um, basically you You fly out very early in the morning, you arrive very early in the morning, and you just, like, hit the ground running, and they take you everywhere, and it's this really um, sort of intense two-day, one-night experience, Uh but it's just, it's amazing, and I always fall in love a little bit with wherever I go. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. That sounds a bit like a monitor tour, We've done a, yeah. lot, a lot of monitor tours where you you just mm-hmm. get blasted with a destination's best, right? Exactly. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really fun and you're like you should do this and then quite often they're like oh we only have the budget to do the monitor. Oh too bad. <laughs> someday, <laughs> yeah. someday you should yeah. do this. Yeah. But now yeah, now yeah. of course uh we we're, we're in a bit of a a weird place for travel all over the world and in yeah. Japan but yep. i I really like how in your women of taste series, um so many of the mm-hmm. the features that you've done, they do also have online shops,
1: yes, a lot of them do yeah and even
0: mm-hmm. even the farmers' markets that you've been covering, I mm-hmm. notice um we'll talk about that a bit later, but I found their website, and they're trying to do the farmers' market deliveries online yep. too so that's that's awesome.
1: yeah, it's really smart, yep.
0: From from these two pages, I think your most recent one is about sake. Not a mm-hmm. sake lover, you haven't. Yep. Do you want to introduce that one a little bit?
1: Sure, sure. Her name is uh, Yuki Imanishi, and she's a sake sommelier. And um, she is she's a really interesting person. She worked. She was a salary woman for a long time, but she always really loved sake. Um, and what she's most passionate about and which I could really relate to in a way was she's really passionate about the smaller producers because mm-hmm. what they do is they offer sort of a, a taste of place and history and culture of this particular place. And Japan has such a, a rich, um, has such a rich tradition of these kinds of things around food and of course sake. And so, um, so yeah, she wants to share that with other people and it's incredible. And what she did, which I thought was completely ingenious was we did an online sake tasting. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Um, I ordered. They have what's called a three goddess set, which yep. I totally recommend. Uh-huh. It was amazing. Okay, it's a little dangerous because at <laughs> two o'clock in the afternoon, oh, you know, you're having yeah. some snacks and uh, you're drinking sake, and then you just take a nap. You know, <laughs> but uh,
0: but it's a good excuse because you're learning. <laughs> it's part of your oh, learning.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, I do a lot of really delicious research. It's really it's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> but
0: what what a great idea to have! I know there's there's been like uh, Joshikai's and drinking parties online. Yeah, you know, so why not have a sake tasting online? Oh
1: yeah, you just Absolutely. get it sent
0: to you in advance, and mm-hmm. uh, you just go through it the same as if you were there in person. I love that mm-hmm. idea.
1: Yeah, yeah, and she's really um, she's really her passion. She's sort of she's not. A super ebullient kind of person Mm -hmm. but she has just sort of this quiet passion that kind of comes through even over um even over the computer because actually her interview was the first one where I wasn't able to meet in person Mm -hmm. um and for me as a writer that was a big kind of a big struggle in a way I was like ah how do I do this you know because I sort of rely on you know, gestures and eye contact yeah. and, you know, different things to sort of put people at ease. Yeah. But, you know, if you're talking to someone online, you can't necessarily tell that they're that, like that I'm specifically making eye contact with you if we're yeah. in a group, you know. In yeah, a, yeah. You know, and so, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> How fun. I remember, I mean, your article, you also talk about this that some of the sake t- uh, tastes a bit like champagne. Like is, mm. it's almost carbonated, and I remember yep. that from a sake tasting I did with Miho Imada, who's a Hiroshima-based um, mm-hmm. sake brewer as well, a female um, mm-hmm. sake tojo, I guess they call them, right? Tojo, tojo, and, toji, uh, I think. Toji, yeah. and yep. she she introduced this sparkling sake, and I just loved it. And I oh, think,
1: it's brilliant. Yeah. I
0: think as female um, brewers, maybe they can adapt the sake more to the female taste like she was telling us um, more Mm -hmm. female drinkers they they like a lighter taste a more watery taste uh, Mm a sparkling taste did you notice that with Yuki Imanishi
1: as well she talked a little bit more about um, what's interesting what she brought up that I wasn't expecting was she talked about how a lot of these smaller breweries they have sort of you know, they traditionally brewed for their local customers. But as rural areas are shrinking, um, they've sort of had to change their attention more to the Tokyo or the city drinker. And that has sort of caused them to change their flavor profiles that Mm, they offer. Yeah. So there was one brewery, I think it's in Gifu Prefecture. And in the Three Goddess set is I don't remember which one of theirs it is, but anyway, they have a sake, um, and I really liked it, but she said, we were talking about something else, and she held up a different bottle, and she said, this is the one that is their local taste, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know, but what was nice was, I'm like, okay, now I totally want to order that, and it's funny, because it sort of gets in your head, and then you're like, okay, I'm going to order that, and yeah. now you're on soul, you know, that <laughs> sort of thing,
0: but Did you like sake the first time you tasted it in Japan or anywhere? Like for me, no.
1: The first time I had it was in America, like in a little, a little bar in uh, my husband's hometown of Dayton, and it was, you know, terrible actually. Um, But when we came here, we met. In the neighborhood we used to live in, in Musashi Sakai, we met uh, a guy who owned a sake shop. Mm -hmm. He was incredibly knowledgeable, and we stopped in, and he basically, on the spot, did a spontaneous tasting, Mm -hmm. and we left, we were with a friend, all of us left with like two or three bottles, you know, once again, (laughs) needing a nap, of course, but um, (laughs) it was just, it was amazing, and he really, um, Miyata-san is his name, and... Yeah, he really changed how I saw sake and what I knew about it and sort of got me really thinking about it.
0: That's awesome. And I I really appreciated that too. Like the first time I tasted it, maybe it was the one cup sake from from a vending machine because they used to sell it out of vending machines. I don't know if they still do but you know the the cheap cheap standard and I was not impressed and then years later an actual like sake tasting or at a sake shop huge huge difference unbelievable yeah
1: yeah Um, yeah
0: yeah. also in one of your articles you were talking about chef Yoko Higuchi from Fukushima
1: yeah 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 yeah.
0: and uh, I've got some of your photos from a trip to the Fukushima Soma area we'll talk about After this, you want to introduce that article a little bit?
1: Sure. Um, Chef Higuchi-san, I knew her, I met her a number of years ago at the Earth Day Farmers Market that Mm -hmm. used to be held in Yoyogi. Uh, She was good friends with some rice farmers uh, that I knew. And she had a small French restaurant in... uh, somewhere in Tokyo. I've mm-hmm. completely spaced the location. But anyway, she had a small French restaurant and she, um, she was really, she remembered the Kobe earthquake from when she was a kid, mm-hmm. but this, the 2011 triple disaster sort of was a different experience for her because she could really, you you know, it was felt in Tokyo, but also a lot of the growers that she sourced her produce from at that time were from Fukushima. And she, was just devastated for them. Um and she her instant reaction, like a lot of people in I think her generation and in general, um, her instant reaction was, I want to go help. I want to do something. And so she finally found a way to go help. Um, she participated in a couple different ways. Um, and then eventually she made a decision that uh, I was not expecting at all she said okay i'm gonna i'm gonna move mm-hmm. up to the prefecture and she moved to a city that has a really strong um, already kind of has a strong organic farming um, community, and they're trying to sort of kind of trying to rebuild their economy and their reputation, of course um around organic farming and food. And so she offers um cooking classes, she introduces people to farmers. She works closely with like the no Eki to develop new products so farmers can have um something to do with their produce. Um and she's just she's remarkable. But she's also incredibly unassuming. Like it was she was happy to talk with me, but <laughs> she was also really like I I just do it. I'm like, oh my god, no! <laughs> like, you know, tell me more. You know, but she. Uh, <laughs> but
0: yeah. Don't, she... But don't you find that's like the typical athlete, super athlete coach thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like the the best super athletes in the world are not necessarily the best coaches, right? The right. best coaches are not necessarily good athletes. It's the same, right. don't you find, for chefs? Like, like she said, I just do it, right? It's yeah. it's. She's not necessarily going to be the best teacher, but, you know, she does it brilliantly. She just can't explain that to you,
1: right? Yeah, well, and I think, I think actually for her, what it is, is she's more like, she's like, well, why wouldn't you do this? Or it's just what I'm doing. So like her classes, I've taken, actually, I've taken her classes and she, she's a good teacher, like her explanation. She's really good one-on-one, but I think for her to talk about herself, she feels um, she she just doesn't she doesn't necessarily think that it's remarkable. It's just what she's chosen to do and yeah. it for her it's just the right thing to do. So there you are. Yeah. And she thinks it's nice that her friend wants to write this article about her, but goodness, you know, what I'm um, just you know, it's just what I'm doing. And look at these other people who are doing amazing things. I'm yeah. like, No, 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 Aww. no. no. You know, that's, like,
0: well that's awesome. We need connectors. We need people who can do okay. that. And, and keep lifting up other people. That's, that's one of the things I always say in consulting, right? With Mm -hmm. any destination, with any business, please, you know, give people information about the other businesses around you, about all the other amazing people around you. Mm -hmm. And that helps you, that helps your brand. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that seems so. It's count. It seems counterintuitive, right? For it does. for helping yeah. your own business, but it actually mm-hmm. it works really well. I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. Because it's about a network, isn't it? You know, you create, you're creating a web in your community that you're part of. um But if you make it stronger, then that supports you. I mean, that's that's kind of how I look at. Well, almost everything, yeah.
0: Definitely, and I I have to say thank you to you because thanks to reaching out for you and wanting to talk to you, I now have more connections with people that you're connected to. So thank you so much. Yeah,
1: Yeah, no worries. My pleasure, my pleasure.
0: Um, So since we were talking about Fukushima, let's go to the Soma event, the art event that you, you went to. So first, I have the picture of the ship that you took when you were Uh, there? Yeah, yep. Do you want to talk about your experience
1: there? Um, So that trip, the Soma trip, I think that was in 2014, and that was the first year that they could plant rice again um, in Fukushima. And Soma is, um, for people that don't know, Soma is... I've got a little map. Yeah, I think, like, what, 50 kilometers north or so of the power plant. Mm -hmm. And um, we... So there's a, a farmer up there, Endosan, and his neighbors, basically, and other people in his community. And essentially, what had happened? There was an architectural firm that I've completely forgotten the name of again. Uh, <laughs> and so <laughs> the worst at this. But anyway, they, <laughs> you're uh, fine. They had gone up right we can, after. We we can start. add links later. Yeah, don't oh, worry. Good. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. <laughs> so because they're amaz- they do really incredible stuff, and. Um, the architectural firm had gone up to Soma and they had met with people there and they said, you know, they were just talking to them and they're like, what do you want? And they're like, well, we'd really like a community center. So they helped design that and make that happen. And then they were talking more with people and they found that the folks living there wanted a way to sort of be able to come together and feel good about um, where they were and who they were again. Because um, as you know, Fukushima is getting a bit of a bad Reputation at the moment, or it has kind of a somewhat ne- some negative connotations, obviously, and so. Um, but they wanted this sort of for local people to boost morale, and so they came up with the idea of um, tombow art or rice field art. And so they put this together, and they got a bunch of people together from Tokyo and other places. We all gathered. We planted the rice. It was hilarious, um, and fun, and but we also shared stories with the farmer, with Endosan and um, the other people that he works with or in his community. And it was both really joyous and totally heartbreaking, but it was such a wonderful thing um, because you felt like you were creating something new together. And, you know, we were helping them, they were helping us, and it was this just really just a really wonderful, wonderful thing. And so we've gone back basically every year. My husband and I, we've gone back basically every year since then. Um, and it's really nice. They can't do it this year because the typhoon damage was so severe. But right. um, we're really hoping and trying to support them in doing something, you know, to keep it going for next year. Because I think it means a lot to the local community. Um, and it's such... It comes down. Yeah. It comes, yeah. To sort of make amends, maybe for something that hadn't been so spectacular. <laughs> 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 and, you know, with the of machinery, yes, we can do a lot more and um, cover a lot more ground, literally and figuratively. But um, there's sort of a loss of that community, community building, community maintenance, um, and everybody collaborating and working so this i think is a really nice um example of that so yeah and what was the design that
0: they made in the middle was it i'm gonna guess earth is it a picture of earth or just like a creative that
1: year the year here it's um um, I want to say it's a, a mother horse and a baby horse because okay. Soma's really famous for horses. Uh-huh. It used to be a place where um, a lot of horse trading happened. Okay, and they still have a festival. Um, it, it's a little hard to see in my particular photo. Their photos are much better, um, but my <laughs> photo is not so. Well, you better. need a
0: drone. You need to talk to Chris Moore, the drone specialist, who was in the. Seeking sustainability number two, I think, about uh, uh, sending your drones up there to capture it from above, right? Nice. Yeah,
1: that would be perfect. That would be really perfect. <laughs> Actually, I'll suggest that to them.
0: Yeah. Well, you need all this permission, but once you get it, it's pretty mm-hmm. impressive. Nice. Um, also, I think going away from Fukushima, but you've also covered craft beer. Is that one of yeah. your, your passions? Yeah
1: yeah 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 sake you like sake so of course you like craft beer right yeah I do actually my husband's a big fan um, and I think yeah I was just sort of naturally pulled into it but I guess um, for me the appeal of craft beer is um, a lot of craft brewers try to work with local farmers yeah and they try to incorporate seasonal vegetables or sorry, not vegetables, seasonal fruit, maybe a vegetable sometime. I haven't heard of that one yet. Uh, and it's, it's another sort of taste of place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just, it's, I think it's really interesting. Actually, Have you, have you found of- a lot of young people get in
0: yeah. like entrepreneurs that start craft breweries? Cause um, mm-hmm. I, I went to Kamikatsu and talked to the rise and Wind guys who started in the town of Kamikatsu in Tokushima, in in Shikoku, and Mm -hmm. um, they wanted to start to use local materials, right, Mm -hmm. and also to follow zero waste practices. So they take waste uh, citrus rinds and use that Mm -hmm. in some of their brews and stuff. You actually have Rise and Win uh, near Tokyo Tower.
1: Yeah, I really, yeah. Actually, I have not been there yet, but I yeah. really want to go. Yeah, that's go, one of the places. Go I check really it really out. Like it.
0: But <laughs> but talking about using local produce is so so important and often a theme in your work. I, I really like the uh, food waste article you did in your hmm. Women of Taste uh, series. Do you want to talk about that a little bit?
1: Sure, sure. That's uh, Farm Canning. Yeah, she is... Um, She's really incredible. She had, her vision is really simple. And actually, I met her at one of the farmer's markets. Um, and Nishimura-san is, um, she had just this really, she's sort of entrepreneurial anyway. But basically, her idea was, well, you know, there's all these organic farmers. I want to support them because they're a bit, they're often on their own. They don't participate in JA Um the J.A. realm for various reasons, um, and she wanted to be able to give them an additional outlet, and so by creating, by buying their unused vegetables, she's able to make these incredible organic products that people really just love. So she, um, she
0: pickles them and jams them, and she, it, there's yeah. a big thing about ugly buying the yes. ugly and using the ugly vegetables. And I, I think you know like you you talk about that in your article and and she talks about that on her excellent website foodcanning.com I believe. Um mm. but it's of course the taste doesn't change. It's just the the outside aesthetic and I know this is not right. only in Japan. This is happening yes. in America. This is happening all yep. over.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think um Yeah. I think her solution is a really, it's a really solid one. And I think it's, um, it's one that it just makes so much sense, you know, because as a, because I mean, I garden and I've worked on farms. And so I know that not every vegetable or fruit that appears is picture perfect. Um, but you can still, you can still use them. Um, they still have terrific flavors. Sometimes you have to cut out a particular thing before you can can or jam it. And, you know, it's still a wonderful thing. So Absolutely. it's sort of, yeah. you know, attempting to kind of change people's mindset, um, as well as, you know, help out farmers and still making sure that people have something good to eat at the end of the day. Yeah.
0: And so important for food security, not to yeah. throw away perfectly good food, right? To yep, use it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Who cares what it looks like, to be honest?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> I'm yeah, over.
0: Yeah. I'm over that perfect look, you yeah. know.
1: Um, so <laughs> this
0: <laughs> nicely segues into your many, many articles about farmer's markets. Um, <laughs> you've got beautiful articles and photos from so many amazing farmer's markets all over Japan. Mhm, thank you. And uh, you want to introduce some of the farmers markets you like or any recent well, articles?
1: Let's see. Some of my probably some of my favorites would be um actually in Nagoya there is an absolutely brilliant farmers market. Um it's held every Saturday. Um, and it's probably about nine or 10 years old Mm -hmm. at this point. Uh, and that is, it's all organic all the time and Mm. it's all farmers, which is really, um, a very interesting thing. Some fishermen, um, and probably, I don't know if they have any other meats, but that is a particularly good one. Mm -hmm. Um, it's the Nagoya Organic Farmers Market, um, I can't remember the official name, but that's a really good one. Another favorite is Eat Local Kobe. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just doing absolutely brilliant work um, in terms of really supporting local farmers, local growers, um, and producers. It's mm-hmm. just, that's a stunning one. Um, they're having a really good time. And I would say they're probably about five years old at this point. Um, and they have a cafe that runs during the week. Um, Another favorite, obviously the, um, the farmer's market at the United Nations. Oh, University wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, that one. That's very good. Mm-hmm. And they're probably along with the Earth Day Market, which sadly does not exist anymore, which don't tell the farmer's market at UNU, but, um, the Earth Day Market was my favorite of all time just because it was, um, it had a really nice homey kind of feel to it, mm-hmm. um, it was very, the vendors were all really approachable, um, and, you know, it was just, it was big enough that you had a selection, small enough that you could still, you know, chat with everybody on a visit. Um, the farmer's market at the UNU, though, is, I have to say, that's that's the current bomb diggity for Tokyo. It's really, um, it's just chock-a-block with vendors, farmers, fruit growers, um, and an assortment of other folks mm-hmm. producing really interesting things nice uh, and then they have regular themes that they do and they're one of the ones um, and I'm so I'm really impressed by this actually they're one of the ones who've basically moved their farmers market online mm-hmm. and they've said these growers and producers are happy to take your order and send you things and I think you know they're sort of helping some who maybe wouldn't normally do this, they're helping them kind of get organized and set it up and helping facilitate that. And I just, it's really brilliant, yeah.
0: So. That's great, well, we'll have to add the links that you have for that um, underneath in the comments section later, sure. so people can find it, that'd be awesome. And yep. this, um, segues nicely. Well, how, first, at the farmer's market, how much success have you had in avoiding plastic packaging? Because in these pictures, it's beautiful. No plastics. I love it. But even at farmer's markets, when I go in Japan, everything's still wrapped in plastic. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is, it's difficult yeah. to get away from plastic. Um, and I think the, you, the farmers market at UNU, they recently, just before everything sort of, um, shut down, actually, they had just gone, uh, plastic free. And so. That's awesome. Uh, which. Oh, it was wonderful. Yeah. Newspaper works really well as a wrapping, right?
0: And so I'm really impressed with um, Thomas Clipper, who I talked to yesterday at Pitchfork Farms. He sends me the monthly box wrapped all in newspaper. I love that. Yeah. But, you know, there is, I've talked to organic farmers and they said, you know, from the customers, they request it be in plastic because the image is plastic is clean. Yes. Plastic keeps it fresh. So yes. so I'm hoping, you know, slowly, slowly we can change that mentality because mm-hmm. wrapped in newspaper in my fridge, it's working perfectly
1: fine. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And I think what needs to happen is, you know, it just, farmers need to, it's, it's this really delicate balance because if the consumer's not happy, they're not going to buy your stuff. But of course. like there's a place um, here in Kanagawa called show farm and basically they say straight up they're like we're not sending you any plastic we're plastic free so they don't use it in their fields they won't use it in the boxes they send you um and i think um i think like you said it's just a question of sort of educating the consumer because the consumer was educated so well the other way and now we have to, to switch back. Yeah. So but it's I, I think, think it's possible, but it's hard.
0: Definitely. I think we have to shift the mentality to the mentality that plastic is, is kinda gross and cheap, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And if you have right. high quality organic vegetables and it's wrapped in a reusable container or a reusable foodoshiki, that yeah. like should elevate it to the yes. higher standard that it is yes. instead of yeah. putting plastic around it, which we should avoid plastic in our lives if, whenever possible.
1: Yeah. And it's so yeah.
0: hard, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've really bought into it, and it's been, you know, it's plastic has been made so cheap that, um, so cheap, cheap and so convenient. convenient. Yeah, we just take it for granted. It's light.
0: It's easy.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. It doesn't break. But yeah, it,
0: But it lasts. Hundreds of years,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. And if you yeah. burn
0: it, there's other problems. So it's it's oh, not my Lord, yes. it's not yeah. the ideal thing that we thought it was. Um, you exactly. have to switch subjects a little bit. You you have a great article about heirloom seeds. I'm very interested in uh-huh. this.
1: Can you okay. introduce this to us? Sure. Um, So Komaki-san is a farmer over in Haratsuka, Kanagawa, not too far from where I live right now. And he's a relatively, I think he's a young farmer, um, probably somewhere in his 30s. And he actually... He went to um, Tokyo, to Todai, Tokyo Agricultural University. Um, so he's a real smarty pants. And um, <laughs> he got hired to work at a seed company, a major seed company. But what he found was that he wasn't really happy with what they were doing there. He felt like the emphasis was kind of in the wrong place. Um, as they were developing new seeds. And mm-hmm. what he remembered was working with his grandfather on the family farm and that there was this great array of seeds and his grandfather talking about how seeds that he saved were tailored to this particular soil. And often they were sort of heirloom or older varieties that represented kind of the, the culinary culture and history and therefore other parts of the history and culture of Heratska itself. And so he decided, Komaki-san, for various reasons, he said, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop doing this. This isn't, he didn't feel that it was right, what he was doing, at least not right for him. So he left. And what he does now, actually, is he grows a lot of heirloom varieties and he has this incredible collection of seeds. And he knows, he himself is like this living seed bank of information you know he has all these great stories associated with seeds some from the edo period um, some that are really famous and you know had no name previously but they came from uh like hiroshima ken where you are or you know they've come from all these different places and he grows them out and he saves them and he teaches other people how to do this and um but he also um he also sells the seeds or not sorry he doesn't sell the seeds he grows the vegetables and sells the vegetables and so people eat them and they say oh this is particularly amazing and so then he's able to sort of create a modern interest in these ancient varieties and it's that's awesome he's a really incredible person
0: i i think in terms of food diversity like heirloom seed collection and and having diversity in vegetables is so important and it's something we just don't see anywhere in the world and in Japan as well. Mm-hmm. And this yeah. this is part of your article. Uh, you talk about what Komaki-san was saying. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, however, for organizations like Yamayuri Co-op, one of the places Komaki sells to, heirlooms have distinct advantages. These varieties mm-hmm. are a perfect match between the weather and the land and they have a long history. They are also very delicious. So he's mm-hmm. talking about the local varieties of vegetables and seeds is is part of the local food culture. And I thought that was so important and something you just don't hear very often, mm-hmm. right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's something like my mother's generation, they... You know, she would have known about that. She wouldn't have necessarily thought about it um, or even my grandmother's generation. They didn't think about it. It was just, you know, it was just what was there. It was just what you grew. And maybe your neighbor said, oh, I've got this great new tomato. You should try it. And they'd pass you the seeds like, I don't know, some yeah. Friday night at dinner or whatever. And tomatoes have a huge amount of variety. Oh, it's well, actually, all vegetables do. Um, I recently had a conversation with one of my editors. It was really funny because um, I mentioned something about popcorn. and She was like, wait, popcorn <laughs> is a separate variety? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, no way. So, I mean, because I grow it, I grow an heirloom variety of popcorn here in my garden. Mm-hmm. So I'll be sending her some so she can try it. Oh, it's written- me
0: too. Can we order? Can you send all over Japan? <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's um, awesome. Well, I'm happy to send you some. You don't have to order. I'll just send oh, you some. Oh, um, I'll pay for shipping. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But um, it's really, uh, so all vegetables have this amazing and deep history, but some, we just, you know, some have been more explored than others. Um, but if you root around a little bit, you know, it's just incredible, the stories, once you find them. Yeah, um, Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm, I'm sure, sure you know about Fukuoka Sensei, right? Who yes, his yes. whole idea of natural farming, and I think he too he came from a part of the farming infrastructure. He was trained uh, with the official like farming industry, right? Yes. And then yep. he rebelled against it. So very similar to uh, mm-hmm. Kumaki San, who you interviewed, and mm-hmm. and his big thing he was collecting. He was telling all school kids to collect all the seeds from their food and then he was taking all those seeds to africa and places and trying to replant the deserts and
1: yeah yeah actually he was is a really i've um I've read a couple of his books um published published by Chelsea Green, uh, one of them, Sowing Seeds in the Desert. And um, I wrote a review of that for Permaculture Magazine uh, a number of years ago. But yeah, he's really amazing. And he was very well revered in his field for being, he created what are called these um, seed balls. Yes, with clay around, right? Yep. I I think we read the same book. (laughs) Yeah, and just a really incredible, again, a really simple idea Um, sort of putting things together and um, just growing them. And his he actually, I have to admit, when I read One Straw Revolution, my first reaction was, this guy might be a little bit of a nut job. Um, But there were certain A lot of people thought that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of people, and sadly, natural farming does have kind of a bad reputation. But, you know, there are things about it that have really – have always really stuck with me. And I admit that now, and now I'm considered a bit of a nut job in my community garden, but um, I mean, I do a lot of these practices, yeah. you know. I use sort of that concept of do-nothing farming. Yeah. It, it's, it's not laziness, it's more like you see how nature is working and then you do that. And the yeah. farmers I meet that practice that, like there's um, one in Nara and Morning Dew Farm in Kobe, their produce, their fields are beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah it's really an, like Homoan, yeah. uh, Aaron. I, I, I love yeah. that idea that he has of just throwing seeds
0: around and seeing what, what your garden wants to grow or what's going to work yeah. for your situation. But whenever right. I talk to local farmers about that, they're always like, I read that and that's crazy. How can yeah. you run a business out of that? Well, that's yeah, yeah. maybe true yeah. if you have to sell it. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Well, I think, and yeah, and I think like, um, Hamanoan and then there's a farm, another farm in Nara in Kizu. Um, he, it's sort of this balance between like structure and, uh, and non-structure and those, the three farms, Morning Dew Farm, Hamanoan, and the farmer in Kizu, whose name I've completely forgotten again as well. We'll, we'll put the um, link later. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> um, they really, um, they've kind of struck a balance between that sort of, you know, I'm going to throw the seed ball everywhere and having sort of... um just rows of things but letting it be a bit more wild than I think people are accustomed to and that's sort of what I'm doing in my garden and it's very effective like and the soil's really alive the farmer in Kizu and then I'll stop babbling about this I promise um but the farmer in Kizu he was a conventional farmer and when I visited him he had switched probably about five years before and this was so he's probably been doing it about eight to ten years now and he dug down in his soil, and what he showed me was, like, from here down was this really squished, uh, brown, kind of lifeless soil. And here up, he said, this is when I started. And it was this living network of roots and, um, you know, all sorts of little animals. And his his produce was beautiful, and it was so delicious and really amazing. And so to me, that that was probably the best testimony I've ever yeah scene it's, it's
0: all about the dirt you know and i was i was listening mm-hmm. to ron finley um the famous la gardener the gangster gardener yes right Amazing. and he's oh, yeah. he's you know he uses the f-bomb all the time but he <laughs> totally inspires people to just grow some what is his motto grow some shit just grow yeah. some shit right and yeah. <laughs> you yeah, can yeah, do yeah, it yeah. everybody can do it Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah, totally. Thomas has joined us. Thank you for your question, Thomas. He says, "Do you think we will see any discussion or articles in English-based Japanese news sites on the current seed loss situation that might be changing in Japan? Information Mm, seems to be scarce in English." He says,
1: "Yes." Yeah, I hope so, actually. It's one of the things, I mean, I'd like to write about it. I know that it, it's a it's a sensitive subject. You know, you have to really think about how to approach it because um, especially, I think, as a foreigner writing in Japan, I have to probably be a little bit not careful, but something yeah, like careful. I hear it, yep. uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, even,
0: even people being kind of critical of how the coronavirus is being handled who are foreign journalists, they're being really... Attacked or or Japanese journalists, you know anybody critical yep. of the status quo. I think is going to get some flack,
1: yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I would also, I w- that's something I'd be really interested in covering or talking about more. Um, and I think yeah, I would really like to see that happen. So yes, I hope so. Great. I hope so.
0: We have another question from Prasanna or comment, Joan, so much information on sustainable farming, incredible. I'm trying to keep up noting down the info that you're talking about big thanks. So we will try <laughs> to go through the video after the live feed is over and add some links. Yeah. Joan, if you could do that, yes, that sure. that would be awesome. So these these yep. questions are coming from sure. Facebook. Maybe if you write it on Facebook and YouTube, if you have time.
1: Yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> and people can also um, contact me directly. Okay. I really – I'm probably far too happy to, like, chat about these things. I should – you know, because I should be writing other things and doing things. But um, the dishes can wait. And, you know, the garden's fine. It's raining. I can't go there anyway. So, um but, yeah, I'm very happy to talk to folks at any time about stuff. So it's my pleasure to help.
0: So I know your passion is for farming and food. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But let's talk a little bit about your travel writing as well. Oh, sure. You have sure. got some great experiences. Let's do your kabuki experience, shall we? <laughs>
1: <laughs> sure, Now, sure. where was it? Wait, wait, wait. I, like I think that I've photo. got the where was that, the kabuki that was in uh, Chichibu, I want to say. Chichibu, okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, is that, that was, Saitama? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Let me yeah. see if I and can that get And that was a up. monitor tour okay. that I did. Um, and I did that with Japan Travel, and that was probably one of the coolest things ever. So we. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they they dress us up in the costumes but they have um they have an annual local festival where children uh-huh. perform this. And the whole community gets together. And so of course, you know, as foreigners, we've gotten dressed up in these great costumes and then we went and watched it. And it was, it was, I was like, oh, this is so cool. <laughs> like it's really, it was a very, very, very special experience. Um, I love and, your your face paint here. Oh, it, that was so cool. I was really, yeah, so it was incredible. Is that just
0: because you were a tourist or like, usually they would put the white underneath, right?
1: Mm-hmm. but how yeah.
0: cool I love the design of it
1: yeah I think we got to if I remember correctly I think we got to choose Uh uh-huh. um and of I think course, I easier cho- to take
0: off the version that you did
1: yeah 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 <laughs> um I think I chose I think this is the fox I'm not really oh, sure okay. But, yeah, it was that was really cool. It was also weird to have someone paint on your face. Of I've course. never really had that done before. I was like, "Um, that's cold. What are you doing you know? <laughs>
0: yeah. well face but. face painting is so fun my my kids love that we We often mm-hmm. did that when they were little. Nice. nice, and so it's nice when even adults can be kids when you travel, right? That's a nice mm-hmm. thing about traveling,
1: yes. yes. Yeah, exactly. That is a great way to put it. That's really lovely. Yeah. And that's exactly what it felt like that day. Like we, I think our maturity level certainly dropped after our faces were all painted, <laughs> but it was so much fun.
0: No, you you know, we all have that kid inside of us, no matter how old mm-hmm. we are, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, should we go to Kakurinbo you oh, introduced yes. us? Oh, yeah. I would love that. So this is the map. Is it in Yamanashi, where you can see Mount Fuji?
1: Yes, it is. I'm trying to remember. I wrote about Kakarimbo for uh, Metropolis, actually, about my visit there. I should have sent you that link. I don't know if I did. Anyway, but that place is just incredible. Um, we stay, so Kakarunbo is a little, um, it's a small pilgrim inn, and I would highly, 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 highly recommend it, actually. So um, because the, so it's it's a small pilgrim inn, and traditionally groups of people would come, and they would go to the nearby temple, which I have forgotten the name of, which I'm, uh, the photo you're showing there, where I'm walking on a path, is leading up to this huge staircase, stone staircase, because, of course, that's what you would do. Um, but it is such a beautiful place. And the pilgrim inn, the wife of the priest, Junko, she makes the most amazing food I've ever had, Um it's the meals are all locally sourced, very seasonable. She's like a Kaiseki chef without the official training. She's just, she is just really having a good time. And because it's
0: Buddhist, we're talking
1: vegan too, right? Uh, she, no, her, I'm trying to remember. No, I don't think hers was, but you could request that. Okay, great. Um, yeah, yeah. So she, she would be down with that. And I think even if she, yeah, she would just love to do it. And it was, oh, It was just amazing. You can just, staying at the Pilgrim Inn is wonderful because you can just feel how much she is enjoying the experience and um, creating different things and being with guests. And she's very, oh, it's just, yeah, it's like a second home where the food is really good and you get to wear a kimono if you want to. Um, And then the nearby temple is also just stunning. And if you get up at dawn, you can go and... Visit that as well, nice. but uh, well, they, but, which I did. The,
0: I found that the Kakudimbo uh, they have a great website, yes. and they have it in English and other languages. So if you want more information, that's really easy to find,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: they have all the names of the temples there. So yep, if you forget, because I'm looking at it and I'm I'm forgetting it as I'm looking at it, I yeah. find. <laughs> I find I'm overwhelmed <laughs> by names. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. It's horrible. Know it. Horrible as I a travel know. writer and consultant not to be able to remember names. Yeah. I need to yeah, work I on that. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's OK. Well, actually, it was funny because, you know, I was getting ready for this and I was like, what was the name of that temple and the pilgrimage where I stayed? <laughs> like I'm looking at my own articles to remember. But I mean, that's, you know, then, I'm grateful for that. But
0: then you're you're understanding what the tourist goes through so much more, because yeah, when tourists sure. come to Japan, they're bombarded with names. You know, in, oh, yeah. in Hiroshima, our most famous island is Miyajima. But Mm -hmm. I often meet international visitors in Hiroshima who are like, oh, I went to that island. Like even Miyajima, (laughs) they can't remember it. It's just too much. His name overwhelming. You know, I get it. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 for sure, for sure.
0: But uh, speaking of other amazing Buddhist temples to visit on Miyajima Island, we Mm -hmm. also have amazing meals now, kaiseki style, which are vegan, at, oh. at the most famous temple, Buddhist temple on Miyajima Island, very nice. Which I am also. Why am I blanking <laughs> on that? I, I've been there so many times. You know which one. Okay. You know the Dalai yeah. Lama stayed there. It's uh, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. what is wrong with us?
1: <laughs> okay, it's okay. It's okay.
0: Uh, you also sent me the beautiful photo of you guys hiking in Nagano. Where
1: is that? That is, uh, it's in, I'm going to have to look up the exact location. Um, so I did an article for Metropolis a number of years ago and maybe a different one for um, Outdoor Japan about hikes. And we did this hike in 2009 um, and it was, uh, no one told us that a typhoon was coming. So oh, this was quite oh an no. adventure. That's so, dangerous. Well, yes, yes, it was. And I don't recommend it. Um, so we, um, we hiked up, it's not too far from Hakuba actually. And we hiked up, we stayed at this enormous mountain hut and mountain hut is a complete misnomer. They can sleep like 300 people and you get dinner and breakfast and then you hike from hut to hut, which was our plan. And we were very excited. And, um, this is, that's actually not me hiking, that's my friend Joe, who had come to visit us, poor Joe. who And you really take him out me. in a typhoon, what a great yeah, guy. We still <laughs> have not heard the end of that, um, oh, and no. that's pretty fair. <laughs> so, because at the end, so we hiked to the next hut, and the next hut is where they said, oh yeah, there's a typhoon typhoon? coming because we arrived and the (laughs) next hut was empty and they just stared at us. They're like, what are you doing? And we're like hiking. And they're like, there's a typhoon coming. We're like, what, what typhoon? And "And
0: so when I was talking to Dave and right, who's in Hakuba in a previous, is it seeking sustainability number eight, I think eight. Eight, Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he's still planning to go ahead with the summer adventure, and the adventure sports that they do there and I hope that they do because I you know looking at this photo as well and then you're talking about staying in huts that might be the next best step forward in terms of tourism to be Mm. out the great outdoors Um, when you are inside somewhere you just try to social distance maybe wear a mask but you know definitely as summer comes we want to go to the mountains where it's cooler right yeah,
1: yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, um, in fact, when we can travel again or when we feel more comfortable traveling, there's um, there's a mountain hut not far from where we live, Sonbutsu uh, Sanso, that I really am eager to get back to. So looking forward to that for well, sure. from
0: the Tokyo area, it's actually really easy to access loads of amazing
1: mountain yes. areas
0: and even going yep. up to tohoku is only about an hour or two right yeah,
1: yeah 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 it's very easy it's very easy yeah lots of options so i think we have talked about just about
0: everything uh <laughs> <not> <laughs> but we could talk so much more we could do a weekly series just with you joan you've been everywhere <laughs> and done everything one one thing we haven't talked about yet is artisans uh, you have mm. this one is it silversmith making swords. I have a photo oh, right oh. here
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah in Shimane. Okay Yeah, yeah that was um, so that was a trip I took perhaps uh, I don't remember it with it was with one of the CCJs. I don't remember which one um, and That was a really incredible experience because um, <laughs> I have to admit so they had this big section and the itinerary that they sent me, they said, Oh, you're going to be at the Sword Making Museum. And it was like three hours. I was like, Oh, my Lord, Snooze Fest, you know, yeah. but whatever. I was like, Okay, 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 I'll go. And it was utterly fascinating. Wow. Um, and it's nice when it, was, it surprises you like that. Yeah. I mean, I completely wasn't expecting it. And that trip really. Um, I never knew anything about iron sand. And, you know, that's what they used. And then the the sort of the lore around that, like how they learned to make swords there, and what it meant to the culture, and then how that in turn kind of influenced agriculture, because mm-hmm. they had to sort of to get the iron sand, you had to go through this big process. And they essentially completely changed the landscape of Shimane. Um, but to rejuvenate the land, you started by growing soba, mm-hmm. uh, buckwheat, and then you transitioned to other crops. Wow, and so, interesting. Oh, yeah, it was fascinating. Totally fascinating. Like, definitely not a sleeper kind of thing at all. Um, and also, I got to use a katana. Um, there's a guy in the video I sent who's like, um wearing traditional robes and he's wielding his sword doing his thing and i got to do that and it was so much fun and once again like you know he was like do you want to do it and i was like no 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 and he's like come on and i was like all right you know i was like fine i'll do it i'm the writer ah yes i'll have this experience and then i didn't want to stop and he could tell and so the poor cameraman and everybody else is like <sighs> and i'm like you know, and he's like, no, let her keep trying. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was really, that was a very special experience. And this particular, sorry, and I completely digress, but this particular blacksmith, he um, is award winning. And he, um, his work was taken to other countries as an example of the iron work that um, occurs in Japan. and And he he was was fascinating like there are all these tools that were on his wall he made everything in his shop wow and as did the previous generations of his family and it was was, yeah yeah, he he had fantastic stories stories to tell uh, about um like like his daughter helps helps do some some of the work but they didn't didn't really talk talk about that so much because the, the 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 god who's in charge of ironwork is a female god and you don't want her to be jealous. So the daughter sort of kind of surreptitiously comes in and does her thing. And I was like, shouldn't they collaborate? You know, but who am I to tell a god what to do? But um, yeah, it was really, it was totally fascinating. That's great. Well,
0: I I think that's a good place to kind of round it out, but I'm hoping there's lots more articles about artisans and farmers markets and organic food coming from you, Joan, because you're opening a whole world to us that oh, is, is usually not covered. So I really appreciate what you're doing. And I appreciate Metropolis and Japan Times and all these publications who are publishing your work because it's not, it's not the status quo. It's not the mainstream.
1: Yeah, I hope. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's totally fascinating. And my when we came here, and I asked about farmers markets, for example, people said, there are no farmers markets. It's a city. And I'm all I told that all was, the time. That's just not right. true, right? Right. And, and that's the thing. My reaction was, if I'm interested, I can't be the only person yes. who wants to know about this. And so that's kind of my philosophy as I go about looking for articles. So it's, it's sometimes challenging, but I've been really lucky to work with some great editors too. So,
0: and I'm are busy. you putting all of these amazing articles into books or novels or? <laughs>
1: well, the, What's the next step for you? Next step, um, I do have a novel which is uh, definitely still needs some work, but it's about heirloom seeds.
0: Oh wow! Uh, great.
1: And uh, the other thing I'd really like to do, I would like to turn women of taste into a book. Yes uh, because I think um, part of part of what I'm really my objective with the, with that series is to I want someone to read that and I want them to think, well, this person is not so different from me. So yes. I'm like, I'm kind of interested in not covering so such famous people, even though I am kind of covering some famous people right now. Um, but I want to cover sort of more everyday people who have an idea um, that is really effective or is really doing something wonderful. And I want someone to read it and say, oh, I could do that. Um, and by specifically targeting women, I really want – I want to see more women out there. And so many women are already doing these things. So I just want them to sort of, I don't know, to realize what they're doing and have more confidence and, Absolutely. and keep changing the yeah.
0: And, you know, people always say, well, why are you focusing so much on women, you know, and... Uh, Melanie Brock had the same concept for her Celebrating Women of Japan. It's not only famous women, it's it's yeah. normal everyday women. Everybody has an uh, interesting, important story that needs to be told. And so I'm so happy to see this series and I'm such a fan and I'm so glad you're you're writing it and it's being published somewhere and definitely a book. We need a right. book
1: from it. Well, I'd love to because I have so much material. I'm squishing their lives into yeah. like seven hundred words, awesome. and yeah, they have incredible stories, and I really, I really want to share them. Yeah, so
0: they need to be shared, and and then you know, for other women to read and realize, oh wow, women can do it. Women are yeah. doing it. And yeah. how inspiring for me in my life. And I felt like yep. I couldn't do it because I'm a woman, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I really think you need to see someone like you doing it. And I didn't understand that until years ago I saw um, a female fighter pilot. We were taking a tour of a boat in Seattle, mm-hmm. a big, like, I don't know, destroy whatever it is. And this woman was standing next to the plane and I sort of burst into tears because, I mean, okay, when I was like 10, I wanted to be a fighter pilot, but I didn't want to do it at that time. But all of a sudden I could feel like, holy cow, that's possible. And I didn't understand that until it happened to me. And that's that's a big reason I want to write these articles because I feel like men are doing amazing work. There's, I don't want to belittle that at all, but I really feel like... To get the full, to take advantage of everything that we can do as humans and as a species, you need to hear from the other fifty percent. And they, I'm just, I feel like I'm behind all these women, sort of yep. push, 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 you know, trying to get them forward. I
0: hear you, I hear you. And actually, in Japan, it's fifty-one percent.
1: Ah, <laughs> well, there we go. So. But but you're absolutely right. <laughs> like, just the
0: focus is often yep. not on females right
1: right like I right. mean
0: I'm sure you've had it happen to you I have it happen to me all the time oh what you're doing is really interesting what does your husband do like
1: you know yeah. <laughs> thank you yeah I don't know. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> which is nice and he's awesome he's I mean, awesome have- and that's so nice good.
0: but let's just yeah. five more minutes on me maybe I don't know <laughs>
1: Right, right, right. But luckily, I have to say, my husband is my main PR team, and he's he's really great at it. Yeah, I have to say that.
0: Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) No, that that is so true. And you know, we have to appreciate our partners. We have to appreciate our friends. We have to yep. appreciate people who collaborate with us, like, like oh, yeah. you online and who retweet and share stuff. It all yes. It's part of that support network that's so important, which is, of course is not yep. only women, um, right. but people who appreciate that the spotlight does sometimes need to be on women. We yeah. we yeah. appreciate Well, Which you. is
1: how I found you. Yeah, because Selena, a friend of mine, yeah, she was like, oh, her. And I'm like, what, me? You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah.
0: thank you. And if you have anybody listening out there, if you have any great people in Japan doing great things for community and for the planet, please get in touch. And we I'd love to talk to them. And and maybe Joan would love to go and interview yes, them and write about them. I definitely would.
1: Yeah. 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 I would love that. So that's great. Yeah. yeah. Reach, great.
0: reach out to us. Uh, we're both very easy to find, I think. Online. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so too. Yeah. So I think we'll, we'll leave it there. John, thank you so much for talking with us and sharing sure. your insight about travel and farmers markets and seeds and so many things. Yeah,
1: well, thank you. It
0: was really fun. Yeah, great. And thank you all for watching and tune in again tomorrow. Tomorrow we have a twofer, 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. So 9 a.m. tomorrow, we're talking with Paprika Girl about all things kimono and traditional Japanese in the modern life, which should be fun. And 5 p.m., we're talking with a photographer and marketing specialist, Barrett. So that should be fun. Yeah, thank you so much for tuning in, and see you tomorrow. See you later. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye.